in a universe so big. God can feel far away. And we wonder if it's possible to shrink the space between him and us. Yo. Oh, that's loud. All right. What's up? Okay. So, first things, you guys pray with me. Um, God, you're awesome. And uh, I just thank you for this message of um, God just helping us understand uh, what distance looks like in a relationship with you. And uh, I thank you for this message that you put on my heart. God, I pray that you soften our hearts in this room. Um, God, and help us get what you want out of this message. And God, that you trump anything that uh, I have to say that you don't want me to say. And uh, God, that you just moved me out of the way up here. Um, pray all these things in your awesome name. Amen. Amen. Perfect. Okay. So speaking of that, how many of you guys played sports in high school? Play them right now. Nice. So that's quite a few of you. Um, if you don't, that's cool. But um, that's just kind of how I want to start tonight is uh, because I played a lot of different sports in high school. And um, sometimes I think about, like, I think about the relationships that I built within those sports, you know, because, like, I... I seriously did everything, like, and I went to kind of a smaller high school, so, like, if you played one sport, you kind of played all of them, and uh, you just kind of grew up with those guys for me, and I know girls play sports, too, but I'm going to say guys, because I'm a guy. Um, so, I got to thinking about it, and in all reality, like, you spend a huge portion of time with those people, you know? Like, I think about between practices, and games, and road trips, and like 6 a.m. practice and classes that you have together and lunch periods and different things like that. Um, I got to thinking, I'm like, you know, I probably in high school spent more time with those guys than my actual parents, to be honest. Like, seriously, that's how much time you spend with those things. In sports camps in the summer, you spend a lot of time together. And uh, this might be true for some of you guys, too, like it is for me. At my high school, we had some pretty awesome coaches, too, like that took, took the word team like really serious, you know. They really emphasized the like the brotherhood and the and the just growing together, um, kind of part of a team aspect. And I, I love that they took that very seriously um, because no team's ever going to accomplish anything unless they work together. Like if you play sports, you know that's you know that's fact, you know. Um, and if you don't, I'm telling you, no team's going to accomplish anything unless they're working together. Um, but I considered those guys as my brothers growing up. Like those guys were like my pals, they had my back, and uh, we knew how to play together, we had good chemistry, and chemistry in sports, for these of you guys that don't play sports, it's just like, you know, you knew when to throw the right pass, or you knew when to do this, and like work together, and piggyback off each other really good, and uh, did we accomplish a lot? Yeah, we accomplished a lot, you know, like sure, we won some championship games, and uh, a few of us went all state, and you know what happened? We graduated. Then graduation day rolled around, and uh, reality set in. Like, life set in. 
And um, the reality of life is uh, where all your medals and things and your championships and all those things that we were pursuing in high school and like all the things that we worked so hard for, um, it didn't really matter. And I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say they don't matter because they do, you know, like those are still really important to me. And like, I know that you guys that do play sports, you guys work very hard for those things. Because I know I worked very hard for those things. But um, what, I, what I should say is that, um, that those things become like part of the past. They don't play any like factor in determining who you are as a person. Like they have nothing to do with who you are, who you're called to be. You get a fresh start. They're all in the past. Is that's that's what I'm trying to say. Not that they don't matter, because they do matter now. They're they're pretty cool. So um, I think for all of us guys that grew up growing, grew up playing sports together, graduation was kind of a huge wake up call. Um, none of us really even talked after that day, to be honest with you. I think I maybe talked to one of my sports buddies from high school after that day, and um, very rarely. I'm just start off with this. Very rarely. Do you see a friendship or a relationship built around something that's going to end, like a sports season or like a class together or even high school friends sometimes? Like, you know something's coming to an end. Sports are going to get over. Your class is going to get over. You're going to graduate, things like that. Very rarely do you see friendships last through those things that end because the thing that your friendship's built off of, like the sports season, is no longer there. One day it's gone. And then you guys have nothing to really click with anymore. You guys have nothing to really bond over anymore. As soon as that thing ends, so does the relationship. Nine times out of ten. Because I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I'm not saying the friend that's sitting right next to you right now isn't going to be your friend in a year. Because I've seen it happen too. I have friends like that too. But nine times out of ten, there's nothing there to hold it together anymore. But after you graduate, you start feeling this thing that we're going to talk about tonight. You start feeling this thing called distance. You start feeling like you're no longer in contact with those people anymore. You start to go to college. You move away from home. You start to be on your own and do things on your own. And all of those friends that you had in high school still haven't said a word to you since the day you graduated. And that's not entirely a bad thing. I just want to encourage you guys with that. That's not like a devastating thing. It's not awful. It's not that they don't want to be your friends anymore. It's just life. It's just reality happening. It's just you guys not having anything in common anymore, and that's fine. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying that friendships can't last because I have a best friend that lives in Utah that's like, we are literally nothing alike. He's at like Berkeley College of Music for like a guitar scholarship thing. I don't even know what he's doing there, honestly. And we, we're still best friends to this day. Like, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, because it does. Um, when you go to different colleges, and you have different majors, and different friends, and eventually you guys are going to have different careers, you're all going in separate ways. It's just reality. And I believe that this happens in our relationship with God, too. Because it's happened in my relationship with God as well. I've totally done this in my personal walk with Christ. I can't think of how many times I went to a CIY conference or a fall retreat like you guys have or a church camp or even like a Sunday that was had a really powerful message or a Wednesday night 
like tonight that has a really powerful message. Like, I can't think of how many times I went to those and felt like the closest I've ever felt to God and then the next day feel completely lost in my faith. The next day feel like I'm not close to God anymore. Feel like I'm a thousand steps away from God. The very next day, and as soon as you come back from the camp and as soon as those things end, and uh, you feel completely distant from him. Maybe you guys have done this before. Because I'm guessing that it happens. You know, I'm not, I can't be the only guy that was in high school and has felt like this. Um, maybe you came home from the camp or the retreat and you continued to chase after things you knew weren't exactly in God's script for your life. You continued to chase after things that you knew God was not calling you to go after. The thing that always seems to get you to drift further and further away from God, further and further away from the direction that he's called you to be. Don't worry. Whatever this thing may be, you're not alone. You're not alone in this thing. Like this thing that you're struggling with, that you came back from the camp or the retreat or Wednesday night or whatever, you're not alone in it. I promise you. And uh, I think something that we, this may be a shock to you, because it was for me in high school, um, is that, I think I have a slide for this, your sin is not breaking news in heaven. Like, it's not, seriously. Like, it's your sin is not like, God doesn't like sit on his throne, start reading a newspaper, and it's like a headline that says like, this person did this, and God just like drops the newspaper, and it's this huge like, just big deal, and everybody's crying up there like this. Your sin's not breaking in heaven. God knows. Our God is so big. God knows what you do. And you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to not be ashamed of our sin. He wants you to understand that he knows it. And he wants you to understand that you're not alone in it. He doesn't want you to hide your sin and keep it in the dark. He doesn't want us to feel awkward about it. Like we can't talk about it because nobody's going to understand. Because I promise you, because I've learned this lesson, when you keep your sin in the dark, it creates more distance between you and God than doing the sin in the first place. It always does. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of the sin in your life. Um, We need to understand that sin has been around since the beginning. Like, the very beginning. Like, Adam and Eve, like... Have you guys heard the term, like, you had one job? Like, we always used to say that in high school. Like, if you forget something, like, you had one job. Or, like, there's a ton of funny pictures on the internet. I should have put some in the slides. But they're, like, it's like a picture of Superman on a backpack or something for a kid. And then it just says Batman underneath it. Like, they made the backpack wrong. Like, you had one job. Adam and Eve, don't eat the fruit. You had one, one job. That's all you had to do is not eat the fruit. And they did it anyways. But um, that's, what, that's where we're going with this. Can you guys turn to Romans 2 if you have your Bibles? I just realized that. Um, Romans 2, verse 1 is where we're going to start there. And uh, as you guys turn there, let me just tell you what's going on here in this passage, okay? What's happening here is Paul, um, you might have heard his name. Paul is awesome. He's one of my favorite guys to learn from in the Bible because he wrote like, three-fourths of the New Testament. Like, he's an awesome dude. 
Paul is cool. He wrote like all, almost all the New Testament. And uh, he's addressing one of the very early Christian churches in Rome. Like probably, the research I was doing on this, probably one of the first Christian churches in Rome. Like one of the very first ones. And um, I was reading this, and I have the feeling, honestly, that this letter that Paul is writing to this church in Rome implies that this church had the very same problem that we do. And we're going to figure that out right now. So Romans 2.1 right here. Uh, Therefore, any one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge such people, you are just as bad, for you do the same things. Guys, what this is saying here is uh, it's so easy to point fingers. Like, it's, it's so easy to uh, use it as a way to, like, deal with your own sin. It's so easy to, like, say, oh, well, you struggle with this and make yourself feel better about what you're struggling with. You know what I'm saying? And um, so before Paul began this conversation, he started by reminding them and us that nobody's exempt from this. Nobody's exempt from sin. Everybody sins. Nobody's, nobody's perfect. Nobody just is exempt from this at all. And uh, Paul then goes on to say something that probably don't expect. Jump down to first v- verse 4 here. Verse 4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? What? Like he totally, like, they were probably expecting him to say the complete opposite, that God, like, hates sin and God is... God is mad that you're sinning, but he uses words like tolerance and patience. What else was there? Kindness. He uses words that they probably did not expect at all. He swoops in and just knocks them, knocks them down with these words. It's crazy, but um, it's the opposite of how I would feel that God feels about us sinning. And Brad said a couple weeks ago um, when we first started this close series that God wants to be close to us, Period. His want to be with you is not based on the things that you've done. And God's love for us isn't a seasonal thing that comes and goes based on like how good of a Christian you've been. God's love doesn't work like that. God loves you in and out of your struggles. God loves you right where you're at right now. If God... This is, this is a quote from Andy Stanley. This is really cool. If God didn't want anything to do with you when you sin, he wouldn't have sent his son down to die on the cross for your sins. Does that make sense? Like, he did that, died on the cross, so sin wouldn't separate you from him. So why would he not love you when you sinned? He literally died for your sins, right? God's not ashamed of you. God's not ashamed of the things you do. God's not ashamed of you at all. God wants the complete opposite of how people at this church in Rome in Romans, thought. God wants the distance between you and him to go away. God doesn't want to despise you for your sin. God wants the distance between you and him to go further and further like together. Um, sin takes you in a direction that's away from God. And uh, Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1 through 2, you don't have to turn there, but this is just a verse that I want to read. It's really cool. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. 
who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Sin doesn't keep us from God or keep God from loving us. However, I've said that a lot tonight. Sin doesn't stop God from loving you. However, it trips us up. Man, it messes with your walk with Christ. It trips us up and makes us stumble. I love the way that Paul finishes uh, verse 4. Um, he just says, Don't you see how, wonderf- how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient and all of those words that he used that our God is when it comes to sin? Like, are you blind to that? Does this mean nothing to you? God is patient for us. God is patient with us for our sake and for his sake. God doesn't need our approval. He does it because he loves us. And he wants us to turn from our sin and grow closer to him. Bottom line out of Romans, um, Paul lets us know here that if we've strayed away from the things that God wants for us and we've, like, we've actually like, tripped and stumbled over sin, Paul lets us know here that all we have to do is turn and go the other way. Like you're walking away from God when you're sinning. All you got to do is turn and go the other way. And it sounds, sounds so easy. And Paul in Philippians, though, this is really cool. Um, Paul in Philippians says, basically says, the only thing that was holding him back from his walk with Christ was himself. Like he says, he was his own worst enemy. The only thing that was keeping him from a closer relationship with God was this decision, the decisions that he was making. Are you like Paul? Because I'm like Paul a lot. I'm my own worst enemy in my faith sometimes. And in the beginning, I was kind of talking about sports teams, and I realized just now that uh, I kind of wish this was in my notes, but um, Paul realized that he was playing for the wrong team. Like Paul realized that he was on, a, on the wrong team, and he was heading down the wrong path, and he was tripping and stumbling. And Paul finally understood that all you got to do is be on the other team. You just got to you just got to stop what you're doing for that team and just play on the other team. Just stop and go the other direction. So where do we go from here? And I have a question for you guys to talk about that topic of where do we go? Um, what would it look like if you were to intentionally pick what you pursue? What would happen if you were to turn away from the thing or the person that's, dis- that's distancing you from God the most? What would that look like in your life? And how would you do it? Because I just really have one step, really, and that's uh, talk to him. Just talk to him about it. And it's going to be awkward. Because God knows everything. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with somebody who knows everything? Maybe that they think they know everything. But like somebody who actually knows everything? Because that's God. Like it's going to be awkward. And like it's just awkward to talk about things that he already knows. You know, it's just kind of a weird concept to wrap your head around. But I encourage you because I've seen this in my life too. When you push through the uncomfortable and the awkward, that's when God does the incredible 
Like when you endure through and persevere through the uncomfortable, that is, that is when God does the incredible. Pick what you pursue. Because if you're not running towards God, you're running away from him. Remember that. If you're not running towards God, you're running away from him. And I just want uh, everyone to understand in this room, too, that we, we all in this sin have walked, we all in this room have sinned. And we've all, like, walked away from God. We've all had our personal walks away from God. You know, like nobody in here is more righteous than the next person. But just because you've walked away from God or you're walking away from God right now, that does not mean that you have to keep your distance. You don't have to keep that distance away from God. What you'll find when you stick close to him is incredible. And I, I assure you that you will, you'll like it a lot better than what you find if you're not sticking close to him and if you're not running after him. We need to understand that the longer we're chasing things that distance us from God, the further apart from God we actually get. And this just kind of reminds me of a story um, out of Genesis 28, I think. story of Jacob and his brother Esau. Um, Kind of a messed up deal. He like, he steals from his brother and then his brother tries to kill him. This is a really like basic version of the story, but you have to read it. But anyways, steals from his brother, brother tries to kill him. He runs away, goes to live with his cray-cray uncle Laban. And uh, did I just say cray-cray? Is that a thing? His crazy uncle Laban. And uh, his uncle Laban lets him marry his daughter, which if you didn't catch on, is his cousin, which is weird and um, ends up marrying two of his cousins. All these kids get involved. Anyways, I know it's getting crazy. <laughs> Anyways, it's just a messed up deal. It's a messed up situation. And uh, I say that though because Jacob, he was just running from God. He was dis- he was chasing things that were distancing himself from God. Like he was running after. He was like, oh yeah, I, I think marrying my cousin's a good idea, even though you're not supposed to do that. Like, he chased those things, and it was distancing himself from God. But I want to encourage you, too, because Jacob got probably further than any of us could probably get from God. And God was with him that whole time. God never let him down. God never took his eyes off of him. God never abandoned him. That whole time that he was stealing from his brother, in the very beginning, God was right there with him. God never abandoned him. God never stopped loving him, no matter what the sin was. And God was patient with him. He was kind with him. All of those words that Paul said, it's just proof that that's how God is with our sins. He doesn't abandon us. He's not mad at us. So bottom line, um, just kind of take this from this message tonight. Um, Don't chase after things distracting yourself from God. Take steps towards him. Because I said earlier, like a thousand steps. That'll just be like a random number. You can pick any number, however far away you think you are from God. If you think that you're a thousand steps away from God, God says, take just one. That's what God says. Take just one step towards me and I will take 999 steps. I'll do the rest of the work. Just take one step in chasing after him. 
Don't distance yourself from God. Will you guys pray with me? Um, God, you're awesome. And uh, I, just, I just thank you so much for tonight and this, uh, this awesome message of uh, God just encouraging us to not keep our distance from you, no matter how far that we've run from you. And I just thank you for the awesome opportunity to get up here and speak to, into the lives of these students, God. And I pray that they uh, could get something from the message because I know I did reading about it and studying it. And uh, God, I pray that each day throughout this week, we can, uh, you can help us focus uh, on the things that are distancing us from you. And you can help us eliminate those things and grow closer and closer with you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.